your Bibles to the book of Daniel. Daniel, again, one of the prophets that God has raised up and um, was used mightily of God. Perhaps we are more familiar with Daniel than some of the other prophets because of the Bible accounts that we've heard of Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and then Daniel um, giving the revelation of some of the dreams. So we're familiar with some of the major points of Daniel, but the book of Daniel is unique in so many ways. Um, the book of Daniel is necessary for a clear understanding of biblical prophecy. And we're not going to be going down that road much today. And this may be something that, that you'll need to um, pursue on your own. But the book of Daniel is rich with um, great, great prophecies. Some that have already been fulfilled and others that will be fulfilled. And um, and yet, as you go through the book of Daniel, you'll find um, it keeps coming back to various individuals and God showing how he has been at work in various individuals. And I want us to just read um, in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He expected his wise men and soothsayers to give him the interpretation of the dream. And they said, well, tell us what the dream is. And then and he said, no, 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 that ruined it. You could just make up anything, your interpretation. You tell me what I dreamed and then give me the interpretation. Well, put yourself in their shoes You'd say, that's impossible. You're asking an impossible thing. And he said, fine, kill all of them. Well, Daniel was one of those that was going to be killed. And Daniel said, wait a minute here. I think maybe we can talk to someone about this and and find out what the dream was. And so they talked to God. And God gave Daniel insight to what the dream was. And in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 16, So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hanai, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are, you know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is their Jewish names here, okay? We know them as, most people know them as their Babylonian names that were given to them. And why did he tell his three Hebrew friends that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven, and Daniel answered and said, 
Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells within him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Then Daniel went in to the king and revealed the interpretation. But you notice... Daniel's heart is filled with praise and thanksgiving to God. And in that short prayer, Daniel reiterated what is a reoccurring theme throughout the book of Daniel and throughout the Bible, is that God rules over everything. And so that means that we need to realize God rules In all nations, the theme that runs through the whole book is that the fortunes of kings and the activities of men are subject to God's decree, and that he is able and will accomplish his will despite the most determined opposition across this earth. Now, We say that's true of Daniel, but I want us to apply it to today. God is still in control of all nations today. I don't care if it's Putin or Young Jong Kim or President Trump or the guy in Venezuela or the guy in Turkey or the guys in Iran. God is in control of it all. And he rules over all nations. He, someone says, he has access to every throne room and every heart. He doesn't just have access, he owns it. Without him, they wouldn't even exist. And, and we, we need to realize that. I don't know about you, do you ever get upset about the deep state? Do you ever get upset about Stuff that's going on that isn't right? Do you ever get upset about wrong seeming to prosper and right being minimized? Rest in the fact, no one is going to derail God's plan. God is the ruler over all nations. And God, in the book of Daniel, made it turn out exactly the way it did. And God showed his power through this. Here was Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, the, the, number, the head honcho of the world in that day. And God at work in his life, a wicked, wicked man. And yet God dealt in his life, took him from a king down to a beast, literally as a beast in the field for seven years, and then restored to him his senses to where he prayed a prayer and acknowledged 
The God of Daniel is the Lord God of all. I mean, this is, this is the, the number one mucky muck in that day. And God was illustrating Daniel to the children of Israel, to the whole earth. I am in control. From Nebuchadnezzar getting the dream, Daniel explaining the dream that there was this figure with the gold and the silver and the bronze and the iron and the feet of, of iron and clay typifying the, the aspect of prophecies of reigning kingdoms that would rule the world. This was a prophecy. Babylon was the gold. And then Babylon was conquered by the Medo-Persians, and it was the silver. And then the Medo-Persian was conquered by the Greek. It was the bronze, and the Greeks were conquered by the Romans. And it was the iron. And there is coming a day when from ten nations, the ten toes of iron and clay will come a kingdom that is Antichrist's kingdom. The others were, were prophesied and now have been fulfilled. There is coming another kingdom. But in all of these, and you go back and read it, Daniel is 12 chapters. You can read that easily this week, okay? But you go back and read it, and there's this great image, but then a rock comes. And destroys all this image. The rock is Jesus Christ. I mean, there are so many pictures in this. We're not, we're not taking the time to go into that. But all of this is saying God is in control. In fact, we read in Psalms that God laughs at the wicked. A lot of wicked are gathered, have been gathered at the G20 meetings this last week, okay? And there's a lot of wicked people that meet in secret places around the world, and they think, this is what we're going to do, and this is what we're going to do, and we're going to bring about this, and we're going to bring about utopia, because that's what humanism believes. And when you reject God, all you have left is man. And God literally laughs at their devices and plans because nothing is going to derail his plan. There's another revelation of prophecy in the book of Daniel. And it prophesies that there will come a day when there will be peace with Israel. And then that peace will be cut off. After three and a half years with an abomination of desolation, needless to say, this is speaking of the the last week of the tribulation period, the the last week in history, the 70 weeks and so on. An antichrist of terror will end with God's ultimate Victory and his reign forever and ever as King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever. 
Now, these are in Daniel. They're, they're prophesied in Daniel. And when, again, we, we can't take the time, but when you compare what's in Daniel with what's in Revelation and you see all these things, from the very, from the very coming of Jesus Christ the first time, the prophecy of that to the exact timing we know in Galatians 4, it says, when the fullness of time was come, it was at God's exact timing in fulfillment of prophecy that he sent Jesus Christ the first time, and at the exact time again, Jesus Christ will come again. And it doesn't matter what the UN does, it doesn't matter what the European Union decides. God's will will be done. God rules in all nations. And God's kingdom will be established. So, it ought, to, it ought to give us great comfort to know that. And be reminded, God rules in all nations. Secondly, we can learn from the book of Daniel. God uses individuals to accomplish his purpose and show his glory. God took Daniel... And the three Hebrews, they were in their late teens or early 20s, took them captive from Jerusalem to Babylon because they were the, the wise young men. They saw great potential in them. They, they took them captive. And Daniel was raised up, an individual. Daniel was raised up, mightily used of God. To show forth God's glory, you know the account of the three Hebrews and the fiery furnace raised up to show God's power and God's glory. We mentioned Nebuchadnezzar taken from being a king to a beast to praising the Almighty God. We could mention Belteshazzar, another king, and um, remember he saw the vision The handwriting on the wall, you've heard that phrase, right? He can see the handwriting on the wall. That's a biblical terminology, and you'll read about that in the book of Daniel. But God God doesn't just work in nations. He uses individuals to show forth his glory and his power. And ultimately, everything is about God and his glory. Be careful that you don't don't elevate Daniel above God or the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel, when he got the, the interpretation of the dream, it was all praise to God, all glory to God. God uses individuals to accomplish his purpose and show his glory. We also learn from the book of Daniel we can rest and rejoice in God's program, in God's provision, and in God's care. We can rest in and rejoice in God's program. God is at work today, and we can rejoice in that. He is putting the pieces in place, and we can rejoice in that. We might say, well... What will it mean for us? What will it mean for believers around the world today? What will it mean? Well, 
You look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it looked like their life was done. And they said, even if we die in the fiery furnace, we still know God is true. They were willing no matter what, and they rested in and rejoiced in God's provisions. You today, every one of us, can rest in and rejoice in God's provision. You might not be facing a fiery furnace as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but you might be facing what in your life is a fiery trial. You might be facing something Daniel did not say, Oh, good, they gave a command. I'm going to be thrown to the line. That isn't what he necessarily wanted in his life. But he could rest in God's provision. God, if this is how you want me to go, so be it. If not, so be it. And God is at work as we submit to God. God is at work in every one of our lives. And there come many things into our lives that we don't understand. But we can rest in his provision and say, God, I don't understand it. But I know you will make all things work out as I submit to you. And what a joy that is. That's where we as believers should have a totally different outlook in life than anyone else. Because God's the one in control. It's not just that things are um, helter-skelter and whatever happens and i got to make things happen. No, the direction of God. And we can rest in and rejoice in God's program, in God's provision, in God's care. Understanding, Brother Hansen this morning shared about, okay, God, you're going to provide for me. I don't know how. Out mowing. He gave the illustration of that. Resting in God's provision. Learning to submit to God in all his ways. And rejoicing in his program, God will terminate evil and establish good. He will prevail. I mean, that ought to to make us rejoice. You know, if, if you understand how things end, you'll be able to keep a good attitude. You'll be able to rejoice. But we come down and we realize that our job is to be usable. Our job is to be usable in God's hand. Turn to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 12. In Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar is king. He had the handwriting on the wall. It made his knees shake and his loins quiver. And and the queen went in to him and said, Hey, there is a man in the kingdom that can interpret this. And notice how they described him. Verse 12, Inasmuch as an excellent spirit 
Knowledge, understanding, interpreting of dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Notice, wouldn't it be nice to be described as one who has an excellent spirit? In this man who has an excellent spirit, Daniel remained usable in God's hand because he had an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit doesn't just happen. Let me just quickly mention a few things about Daniel's excellent spirit. It didn't happen accidentally. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. It wasn't just, oh, I'm live and let live. Daniel purposed in his heart, I want to be what God wants me to be. I, I am making choices. Everything I say yes to, I'm saying no to other things. And I want to say yes to God. And if it means no to other things, so be it. Daniel purposed in his heart. An excellent spirit doesn't just happen. Oh, wow, that guy was born with an excellent spirit. No, it doesn't happen. We're born with a rebellious spirit. An excellent spirit is born from a consistent, personal walk with God. Notice in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10, the command was given that they were to bow down and worship this image And Daniel knew about it, and he said, I can't do that. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. This isn't something Daniel just started. This was his way of life, as was his practice since early days. Daniel, the book of Daniel covers about 70 years. We read it and think, well, Daniel was in his mid-20s. And when, no, this is 70 years. He was near the end of the book of Daniel. They tell us he was close to 90 years old. And he had established a personal walk with God. It wasn't crisis praying that all of a sudden I need to run and and figure out how to get through to God. An excellent spirit is born from a consistent personal walk with God. And honestly, it's a personal walk with God where you desire His Word to hear from Him, and you desire to talk with Him, and you desire to fellowship with Him. And there are many days that it's not a a glamorous fireworks um, experience. You know... Um, <clears throat> There are many days that you come and you read the Bible and you go away and you know it's nourishing to you and you go and you think on it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like breakfast. But normally, and in our house lately, um, breakfast have, have become a fried egg and a piece of toast. 
And our kids come home from college. Is that all you guys eat for breakfast anymore? Fried egg and piece of toast? Yeah, it's easy, nutritious, not much. I seldom walk away from breakfast. Man, that was the best meal I've ever had. But you know what? It's nourishing to me. And I know it's putting some good things into my life. Not every day in your personal walk with God will it be a mountaintop experience. In fact, most days it's climbing a mountain. And there is joy in it, but it's not like, whoa, look at that fireworks display. It's the nitty-gritty, day-in, day-out, pursuing God, saying no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit. And that's the only way that you can develop a personal, excellent spirit. A consistent personal walk with God. It involves a clear conscience. In Daniel, they came and wanted to find something against Daniel. And notice what the men that were trying to find Daniel, trying to to railroad him, trying to trap him. Verse 5 of Daniel 6. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Daniel had a clear conscience. They weren't able to find anything in his life. It doesn't mean he never did anything wrong, but when he did something wrong, he made it right. That's a blameless spirit, having a clear conscience. Timothy, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made their faith shipwreck. You put away a clear conscience, and your faith will become shipwrecked. Daniel had an excellent spirit because he pursued a clear conscience. An excellent spirit also withstands adversity. You think of the adversity. Daniel, a young man, let's even say he was 20. We don't know exactly how old he was. But he's taken captive, taken to a foreign country, foreign culture, foreign language, He could have easily become bitter at God. He could have easily sat down and and pouted, and I don't know why this happened to me, and I don't know why we're here. And Daniel, the adversity that he experienced as you read through the book of Daniel, why did they do this, and why am I the one cast in the, the lion's den? An excellent spirit withstands adversity and there will come adversity in your life many times over and many of you can testify to that but an excellent spirit doesn't quit it withstands adversity because it's dependent upon god and an excellent spirit ultimately brings glory to god daniel wasn't in into this for himself we we read in the in the book of ezekiel That all the earth may know that he is the Lord God. Daniel and the three Hebrews give a testimony to that very truth. They want people to know God. They want people to know the mightiness of God. And because of that, 
Daniel said, I am pursuing an excellent spirit. You know what? You go to work, you do business with someone, and and they don't treat you right, and you jump in and show them that I can play this game. It's not an excellent spirit. But when you rise above it and you overcome evil with good, that's an excellent spirit. And the world is in desperate need of Daniels, of individuals that have an excellent spirit, individuals that that purpose in their heart that, God, I want to do and be what you want me to be, and I am committed to to doing the, the day in, the daily grind of a consistent personal walk with God. There is joy in it. I am committed to whatever it takes to have a clear conscience and whatever adversity comes to be able to say, like Paul said, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, and committed ultimately to bring glory to God. God... Whatever you do in my life, I want to bring glory to you, whether it be by life or by death. That ought to be our prayer. And regardless of the circumstance around us, God's in control. God's putting up rulers and putting down rulers. He is... He knows perfectly well what went on at the G20 summit. He knows already what's going to happen in the the upcoming elections. And he knows all these details. And his will is going to be done. And we can rest in that fact and rejoice in God's program, his provision, and his care. Our job now is to be usable in his hands. He's put every one of us here. We're tools in God's shed, and he wants to be able to pick us up and use us. I go to some of my tools. Sometimes they don't start. Sometimes they're broken. Sometimes it's because they're old and and no good anymore, okay? I snapped off a shovel handle this last week. It wasn't because of my strength, I'll guarantee you that. But God wants us to be usable in his hand, that he wants to pick up this tool and, ah, yes, there's a clear conscience, there's a heart after me, there's a purpose to glorify me. They haven't let these adversities blow them out of the water, haven't let the adversities turn them away. Daniel had an excellent spirit. And it begins, first of all, of realizing that we need God. I am a sinner separated from God, and without him there is no hope. And God is over all nations and all peoples, and he is over me. And God, in his love and mercy, sent his son to pay the penalty for my sin so that I can be brought back to fellowship with God. And then, and only then, can I rejoice in his program. Then and only then can I rejoice in his provisions. If I've never sought God's forgiveness for my sin, I have nothing to rest in. The judgment of God rests upon me.
But then, when I've trusted Christ, then I can rejoice and rest in His program, in His provisions, and in His care. And then our job is, God, make me usable in Your hand. Heavenly Father, I pray, if there is one individual here today who has never called upon You for the forgiveness of sins, I pray today would be the day that they call upon you. And then to be able to rest in your program and your provision and your care. Lord, I pray for every believer here today. I pray that we would be usable in your hands. Lord, if, if there are consciences that need to be cleared, that we would clear those up. Lord, if there is a a commitment that needs to be made that we are going to hunger and thirst after you, that we would do that. Lord, that we would be committed to glorify you regardless of what comes. So, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us that we would be in this day that is in desperate need of Daniel's, I pray that you would raise up men and women and young people that would be of an excellent spirit. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's